You're listening to Inside Healthy Teams by Apricot Consulting, a series that draws on the experience of experts to unearth the principles of personal and team leadership. For more information, go to apricotconsulting.us. Welcome to Inside Healthy Teams from Apricot Consulting, revealing conversations with execs designed to provide leaders practical insights to build healthy organisations which strengthen their competitive advantage. I'm your host, James Natsis, Chief Operating Officer at Apricot Consulting. I'm joined today with Janine Garner. Janine is an internationally acclaimed entrepreneur and Fortune 500 mentor, keynote speaker and best-selling author. Janine is passionate about bringing people together to achieve remarkable results through collaboration, connection and influential leadership. She's also the author from Me to We, Why Commercial Collaboration Will Future-Proof Business, Leaders and Personal Success, and the best-selling book, It's Who You Know, How a Network of 12 Key People Can Fast-Track Your Success. Aside from this, she has three teenage children, a number of cats, and enjoys extreme fitness. And today, she'll be talking to us about her new book. Welcome, Janine. Hey, welcome, James. Oh, my gosh, I love that introduction. It just sounds like I sit here writing, and that's all I do. I'm playing with my cats in between a little bit of training. (laughs) And managing those children. Yes, that's probably the hardest job of all right now, to be honest. Uh, okay, well, great to have you on board today and uh, looking forward to hearing about your new book, Be Brilliant, Living a Life of Influence. It's a fitting topic given that one of the seven areas of health as an organisation at Apricot, we focus on leadership. Perhaps more than ever, it's one of the most important priorities to reinforce in organisational life. Tell us a little bit more about yourself and how has your career shaped what you do now, Janine? Yeah, well, I, I guess, James, I'm, you know, I'm classed as one of those connection experts. I'm, I'm absolutely obsessed about the power of connection and how this can help build uh, brilliant relationships within teams and within organisations, um, how when we connect better, we're able to unlock incredible collaborations and innovations that organizations need and ultimately let's be honest i really do believe that when people connect better um, they are able to move quicker they're able to think deeper and ultimately that helps businesses make money uh, which is obviously why i do a lot of work with um, c-suite and high performing leadership teams in terms of helping to uh, build the teams that can navigate through and into tomorrow. Um, I've got about a 20-year corporate career. Um, I started life in the UK. You can probably pick up there isn't a a true blue Aussie accent here. Um, Started life in the UK. I have a 20-year corporate career. I landed here in Australia in in the year 2000. And um, it was then, I remember landing in Melbourne with a, I literally had a backpack because I'd sold everything in England. So I simply arrived here at the age of 29 with a backpack a resume, a permanent residency visa and a boyfriend. And I essentially had to rebuild my life uh, and my career in a country where I had no uh, network. I had to rebuild my career um, in a country where I had no social proof. And I had to build this, this dream, rebuild this dream in a country where, let's be honest, I didn't really understand the subtleties of the cultural differences. And this gave me a really unique perspective into the power of developing deep and meaningful connections. And over the years, I've worked with global companies. My corporate background is I'm a, I'm a marketeer by trade. 
Um, my last proper job, as I like to describe it, was Group Marketing Director at Oriton Group. So I looked after the Ralph Lauren and the Oriton brands here in Australia and through Asia. And throughout my corporate career, I really started noticing the difference the intentional connection makes. Um, I started really um, observing the this tipping point between leaders that were able to create incredible cultural change and momentum within their organizations versus leaders that just told and did. And it really started this, this inquiry in me. And um, over the last sort of 10, 15 years, I've really been researching, reading, interviewing thousands of leaders to try and understand what is that tipping point. And this has led to, now I speak around the, the globe when we could travel. Uh, I work with various organizations in terms of building uh, more effective, high-performing teams. Um, and as you you spoke to, I've, I've written three uh, books, well, two bestsellers and one more, fingers crossed, it will be a, big sell, uh, a bestseller. But this is essentially the work I do now. And often I'm, I'm pulled into organizations where they're asking me, you know, how do we build team engagement? How do we unlock the ideas that we know are in here? And how do I hang on to my talent and build a culture that is actually future fit? And that's essentially the work that I do now and the work that I am passionate about of how do we unlock individual brilliance how do we make sure that we we bring this brilliance to work because i do believe that when we can be brilliant we're able to build more brilliant networks brilliant relationships extraordinary collaborative opportunities and ultimately that delivers incredible exceptional performance and and that's the work i do well wow, lots to unpack in there janine and uh to and you're still very, very young as well. So how have you fit that whole career in there? <laughs> it's amazing how this light and makeup works at this time of day. <laughs> well, look, lots of themes, connection, collaboration. I think all those things are uh, uh, not under pressure right at the moment, given the fact that uh, we're working in very distributed working environments and remote. So we'll, we'll unpack that on shortly but uh, going back to so what I guess one of your key themes and I guess the nature of your your new book uh, we certainly hear a lot about being influential influential leaders how do, how do we go about the firstly I guess why did you write this particular book and how do you then go about developing um, I started writing this book um, or researching it about 18 months ago so that was way before we'd even entered the pandemic that we are now experiencing globally. And yet the messages are still actually more relevant and more pertinent than ever. I almost couldn't have, have planned it. I mean, if we, if we think about the future right now, the reality is we have never, ever, ever experienced such macro level challenge that we're now all trying to live and lead under. We are being challenged economically, um, globally, on a global scale, right down to our own businesses. We are being challenged from a health perspective, uh, in terms of the impact of the pandemic. And we're also being cha challenged socially right now. Um, you know, if you look at what is happening around the globe in terms of we're starting to see the challenges of the different levels of poverty and wealth, uh, race, gender, you know, there's these incredible macro challenges going on. And if we think about the future, you know, what I'm, what I'm hearing and what I have experienced and from the work that I've done 
is there's this feeling of disconnection of where is my place in the future? How do I how do I actually create impact? How am I relevant? How on earth am I going to contribute to this world and how it's changing? So there's this feeling of disconnection. There's a feeling of fractured working of um, and we're all experiencing it, you know, having to work from home or work online or do what we're doing now, this fractured impact that it's having on work and, and home life. And then finally, there is an underlying fear and anxiety. And so I think the challenge for all of us right now, and it doesn't matter whether you've got the job title of leader or whether you are a leader of your own community or a leader of your family, our individual responsibility is to replace that disconnection with a feeling of connection. Our responsibility is to replace that feeling of fractured and where am I sitting and what do I do with a feeling of clarity about our purpose. And our responsibility absolutely is to help each other replace that underlying fear and anxiety with a feeling of calm, with a feeling of we've got this. But we know that and yet all of us are st struggling with some form of exhaustion. And it's like this this uh, physical exhaustion, mental exhaustion. I talk in the book about there's three specific types of exhaustion. There is the fact that we are fatigued with being tired. <laughs> it's like I'm exhausted with being exhausted. Um, we've got a choice fatigue that there's too many options available to us and people are exhausted trying to work out which option, right from which job, where should I live, what sport should I do, what coffee should I drink, what exercise, just a significant amount of choice is exhausting us. And then we've got the stretch fatigue of being pulled in so many directions right now. And so as human beings, we, we're being challenged to not only operate in this world of massive complex change, where the questions are many, but the answers are few, where the reality is we have never, ever, ever been here before. And actually we have no experience of being here before. So we're trying to navigate that. And internally, many of us are just exhausted with um, essentially life and our place in it. And so this book is written really to say, you know what, the only thing that is consistent right now, the only thing that you can rely on is you. And if you can start owning who you are, who you are being and who you want to become, if you can rise above your limitations and stop beating yourself over what you don't have, if you can write, stop sort of challenging yourself and hiding your imperfections and, in, and instead accept that everything, every little bit of experience and knowledge has got you here. If we can accept ourselves, if we can start leading ourselves better, then we can actually create that environment for other people. Because the reality is we need right now, we need creativity, we need curiosity, we need all of us to start asking more questions, to be curious about what are the solutions that we should be looking for right now. We need to all be brave enough to connect more dots than ever before. And I'm not just talking about people, I'm talking about making sense of the data, the skills, the people, and how do we essentially put it all back together such that it can operate into the future. We need to trust our intuition because we don't have the answers. We have this, this period of massive adaptive change. Um, and if, if we're honest, we're only just entering into that recovery reimagine phase. 
we've never been here before. And so we're going to have to trust in our intuition as individuals, as leaders, to make decisions based on what we think is right. And most of all, influence. You have to be able to inspire the people around you. Influence, ultimately for me, is about being able to meet people where they're at and create an element of fellowship into the future. Our job is to pave that path. Our job is to create vision and belief. Our job is to absolutely build in others a hope for a better future. And if you are so busy beating yourself up and struggling with self-doubt and a lack of self-belief, of faking it till you make it, of hiding under your own level of imperfection, of leading by rules and you know, the 10 steps to leadership versus what you know to be true, then we're never going to be able to influence people and help provide that hope, that direction, that vision into the future. So I think right now the world needs all of us to step up. And if we don't, we're at risk of becoming the robots of the future versus the humans of extraordinary potential that have the capacity to drive change and create change for each other. And that's why I had to write this book because I'm going, the only thing that you can possibly control is yourself. And yet we've let that go. You know, if you look at it, we, we are, we're acquiring stuff and yet we're still unhappy. We're acquiring connections and yet we still feel lonely. We're acquiring skills through all of this wonderful access to online learning and yet so many of us still don't believe we're good enough. And I'm going, stop it. You actually are. You actually have everything you need to become more brilliant tomorrow than you are today. You've just got to start believing in yourself. And people want you to, your family, your friends, your team, your colleagues at work, your organizations, the market needs you to step up. Well, lots in there. The imposter syndrome, which you speak about in the book, and I think you've touched on at, at multiple levels already about believing in yourself, working through your weaknesses. What are some of the keys that you see to help people to start to move, to be comfortable in themselves and to perhaps be okay with the fact that they're not all there in some areas? It's certainly a challenge in business in general, but um, what would you see as some of the key steps that people need to take to move in that it's, that's a fascinating question, James, and it's almost a huge question, this, this concept of imposter syndrome. I think, I think the reality is I, I, I totally believe that becoming better, leadership, brilliance is a practice. And it's a bit like learning to meditate or do yoga or, you know, a, a one-handed push-up. It takes time, it takes focus, it takes reflection, and it takes trying again. And I see the same with a lack of self-belief or imposter syndrome. Um, you know, people people get into this zone of not feeling like they're good enough, um, of blaming themselves for a lack of progress, of comparing themselves to others, which holds them back. And no matter what way you look at it, imposter syndrome will keep you still. It will absolutely keep you in status quo and it will stop you from facing fear and moving forward from trying something, from doing things differently. And it's all an internal focus. Um, imposter syndrome is totally internalized. And I like to, I talk, uh, I share a story in the book from a lady called Sherilyn Shackle. She's built an extraordinary 
uh, business in the UK. And we were talking about this exact concept. And she just looked at, well, we were, we were doing a podcast and she just, uh, it was a face-to-face and she looked at me and she just went, oh, Janine, Mildred kills me. I said, Mildred, what on earth are you talking about? She said, Mildred, Mildred is the voice in my head. She said, I've named it. It's an orangutan called Mildred. And so every time I'm about to go on stage or I'm about to launch a new initiative in the business or I'm about to challenge the numbers or I'm asking people to step up, Mildred appears. You're not good enough. Who says you can do that? Who the hell are you to do that? People are going to laugh at you. And we've all got these voices in our heads that are actually feeding the self, lack of self-belief or the imposter. And what Sherilyn's done is named her voice because there's this wonderful ability that if you can name it and visualize it, you can almost put it back in the corner. It's like put baby in the corner, like there is Mildred. So I think it's about starting to understand what are the voices that are going on in your head. Now, I was lucky enough to um, attend Harvard last year and I studied under an incredible guy. You may have heard of him, Ron Heifetz. He's just this fabulous professor in this mm. space of adaptive change. And we were talking about this concept of voices. And as he says, there are there, we've all got three levels of voices going on, which are feeding our internal coding and will stop us from moving forwards. There are the first type of voices are the professional voices. The voices that we are listening to that are telling us how we should be behaving as a leader, as a manager, as an accountant, as a lawyer, as a mother, as a woman, as a man. There's all of these professional voices that have developed coding in us as to how we should operate at work, for example. We've got to work out who those voices are. And you're probably visualizing them now in your head, James, because I can see, I can absolutely see the voices that I'm listening to in my head professionally. The second lot of voices are your society or family voices. So the things that you've grown up to believe that you should be doing um, as a member of society or uh, how you can be looked upon favorably within your family through your behavior and your activity. And again, we've all got those voices. And the final lot of voices that uh, Ron Heifetz talks about are the um, ancestral voices, the things that go back generationally that have been fed to us one way or another through our grandparents, our great-grandparents, et cetera, et cetera. Here's the thing. Those voices we listen to and those voices feed our imposter syndrome. And so the only way to get past it, James, is you've got to renegotiate your contracts. You've got to actually acknowledge, you've got to take the time out and go, where is this thinking coming from? Where do I, why is it that I believe I'm not good enough? Have I got proof for that? And why am I feeling like an imposter right now? And almost take that time to reflect, uh, to try and identify to bring it into the present, to renegotiate it, to move forward. Because imposter syndrome stops people driving change. And I've seen it, as I'm sure you have in all your work. I find it fascinating. I do a, um, an assessment of my private clients and I run it in many of my corporate clients as part of a longer month training. And every single time, I reckon 95% of people rank themselves below how other people see them. So imposter syndrome is very real, but we've got to be brave enough to go to, to push past it. 
Um, as, a, as another example, um, one of my good mates is Lane Beachley, the seven times world champion surfer. And uh, to, to become a, I think she's almost eight times now, but to become a seven times world champion surfer, you've got to have a certain type of mindset. Anyway, she told me off one day because I've been listening to the voices in my head, right? She, she came up to me one day and she, uh, she actually said, oh, Ginny, I just want to thank you for that incredible piece of work you've done. It's really helped me to X, Y, Z. And I just went, oh, yeah, no worries. Don't worry about it. And I almost tried to deflect it because I went, who am I to be advising a seven times world champion surfer? And she got so angry at me, Jane. She literally shouted at me and said, can you stop it? Can you just stop it, Janine? Stop doubting yourself. And I went, oh, but why, but why? She went, because here's the thing. I, if you stop doubting yourself and you stop bringing yourself and your work to the world, you are actually not letting other people get better. And all you're doing by not accepting my thank you and trying to deny it is you're actually being really rude to me. You're being disrespectful to me by acknowledging the impact of the work that you've had on me. And it was the biggest wake up call to essentially go, Janine, time to pull your big girl pants on. It's time to share with the world what you think. If you've got to get out of your own way, there will always be people that won't like what you're doing. But equally, there will be people that you are able through your work and your impact to help them become better. And isn't that ultimately what it's all about? So I think imposter syndrome is very real, but the only way we can sort it out is to reflect on ourselves and work out where it's coming from and then be brave enough to push through it. Mm, wow, lots in there. And I guess sort of building it and coming towards the end of our podcast today is this question around COVID as well, and certainly there's a voice that comes with that. And what's some advice to some of our listeners as they listen to this today around leading uh, a life of influence, but also overcoming the imposter syndrome, because I'm sure there's a lot of sentiment about uh, job cuts, the yeah. market contracting, etc. cetera. Uh, how would you speak into that, Janine? Well, I think there's two there's two ways to speak to it. So one way is, is people that are maybe uh, having to find out their next given job cuts, but then there's also people trying to lead through this significant change. So first of all, just, just the people that are leading through change, there is no doubt that uh, this time, this recovery time, this reimagining time is absolutely exhausting our leaders. It's exhausting our leaders because they are having to think differently and multidimensionally. Uh, they're having to manage multiple levels of emotion and fear. And all of that is impacting them themselves in terms of their ability to think with clarity through it all. So, so even our leaders that are having to make these tough decisions are struggling right now. And, and the exhaustion gets in the way of fatigue. It gets in the way of, of, of imposter syndrome or being able to lead and influence. So I think as leaders, my advice to them is, you know, your, your job as a leader is you absolutely have to be decisive, but you have to do it with compassion. So we have to be decisive because our teams are looking for direction. They're looking uh, for us to try and give them some answers, even though we may not have all the answers. So decisive is also going, you know what, I don't have the answers right now, but this is what I know to be true at this very moment in time. The job of leaders also is to understand that our teams are all going through different levels of fear and anxiety at different stages. And so as a leader, you have to meet people where they're at. You have to gain perspective. You have to get curious 
about what's going on for people in terms of their value system, what they're loyal to, and actually talk to their losses. Because every single person within your team has got a different loss right now. Could be a loss of uh, how they feel about themselves at work, a loss of salary, uh, a loss of security. Everybody's different. So you cannot do a one size fits all at all. You've got to slow down. You've got to get curious about your people. You've got to get onto that balcony and get perspective about what's really going on. You've got to talk to losses and then help people through towards what direction it is. At the same time as leaders, find your sanctuary because it is exhausting right now. And our sanctuaries have been eaten into with this working from home. So that space, that sanctuary where you could think has all been eaten into. So you've got to find that sanctuary and you've got to have that time to think and refresh and rejuvenate. In terms of people that that are absolutely, yeah, and there's so many in our country right now that have lost jobs, that are being impacted financially, um, businesses that are going under, uh, businesses that have no idea whether there's a future. It's a really scary place. Um, and I've been saying to my clients, you know, you, we've almost, part of it is we've got to, we've actually got to surrender to time some somewhat. Because unlike pre-COVID, we could plan 30 days, 90 days, six months, a year, two years. The reality is we've no idea really when we're coming out of this. And so surrendering to time, to me, flips the strategy from a 90-day plan, two-year plan to a what's our plan now, what's our plan next, and what's our plan later. And getting curious around these areas of curiosity, connection, inspiration, and intuition that you need to work on. Um, nobody, this, this is, this is, we're in an interesting place where we haven't lost work and our businesses haven't tanked because of something that we had control over. The, the environment is challenging us all right now. There are things totally out of our control. And again, the only thing you can control is you. And so don't beat yourself up about what's happened and take it personally. But instead, actually know that no one can take away your skills and your experience. No one can take away what you've achieved to now. But now more than ever, you've got to own your spotlight. You've got to own your expertise. You've got to own your skills. And you've got to own the problems that you solve in the marketplace. You've also got to work really hard to surround yourself with the right people that are going to help you navigate through this. And I talk a lot about this in my second book, It's Who You Know. And this is actually a lot of the work I've been doing in the last three months, James, of going, helping people build that network of people around them that can help them find the next job, that can help them rebuild the next business, that can help them navigate, or I hate that word pivot, but it is. It's like, okay, how are we going to do something slightly different to match what the market needs right now um, but at the same time, not losing track of our vision. The worst thing you can do is put your head in the sand and hide. The worst thing you can do is become invisible. The worst thing you can do is become disconnected to the people around you, to your clients, to your potential market. What you have to do is dig deep. And this is, you know, one of the laws I speak about in the book, owning your spotlight. I own it. Own everything about it and take it to the world harness that energy so that you can go out there 100% and be the best version of yourself every single day. And then connecting with intent with the right people, with the right skills that can help you navigate through this and out of the other side as we reimagine uh, what our working lives are gonna become. Lots of amazing insights 
in our podcast today, Janine, if you could distill down to one key piece of advice for leaders and living a life of influence, what would that be? My one key piece of advice is to live a life of influence is the more that you can own your own brilliance, your own belief system, your own vision, the more that you can bring your entirety into every conversation and decision-making instead of hiding and beating yourself up and pretending to be someone that you're not, the faster we will drive change because we need to see you and uh, you need to show us you. And that is how we start influencing more. Wow, great advice. Thank you for your insights today, Janine. My pleasure. Uh, uh, for our listeners, you can check out Janine's Garner's new book, Be Brilliant, Living a Life of Influence, uh, and you can check it out at bebrilliant.com. Thanks to you, our listeners, for joining us on Inside Healthy Teams. Apricot is here to help you build a healthy organisation to strengthen your competitive advantage. If you've enjoyed today's podcast and wish to check out our other episodes, please rate and subscribe, or you can head to our website or social media and just search for Apricot Consulting. Thanks for listening to Inside Healthy Teams by Apricot Consulting. We hope you found it helpful. And if you did, it would help us if you could rate and review this episode on your podcast platform and subscribe for more episodes. For more information, go to apricotconsulting.us.